Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm thrilled that you're tuned in this morning. Well, if you listened last week, you heard the first part of our interview with Nathan Jones of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a ministry that focuses on Bible prophecy. I hope you were amazed by some of the messianic prophecies that he shared last week. Bible prophecy is one of the things that absolutely blows my mind. There's no other religious system. There's no other religious text. There's no other worldview that has prophecies that have come to pass. And we have in the Bible hundreds of prophecies which have come to pass, and there's historical corroboration for those, and there are even more about what we can look forward to in the future. God has given us what Nathan called last week the bird's eye view of his plan for human beings. And it's exciting to look at some of those that have passed already and to see that we can really trust the Bible. And as Nathan said last week, if 100% of those that have been prophesied in the past have come to pass, we can trust that the rest will as well. So we really can trust the Bible. Well, with that being said, we're actually going to continue our interview with Nathan Jones. We're going to discuss a few more messianic prophecies, a few other prophecies, and then a few prophecies that have not yet come to pass, those that are still to come in the future. So I'm excited that you're tuned in. It's also KDR's Pledge Drive, and I would encourage you to donate to The God Solution. As you know, this is a unique show. It's a Christian show on a secular station, and I have been so thankful for KDUR and Fort Lewis and how they have supported me and how they have supported this show. If you'd like to show your support for KDUR for putting this show on the air, please call in right now and donate to KDUR. Make sure to let them know that The God Solution is your favorite show on the station. You can call in right now at 970-247-7262. That's 970-247-7262. Or you could give online by going to godsolutionshow.com and clicking the contact tab, and there will be donation info there. Again, call in now at 970-247-7262 with your donation. Thanks so much for supporting The God Solution. Well, Nathan, welcome back to The God Solution. Well, thank you, Nate. Appreciate you having me on. There are a few more Messianic prophecies that we didn't get to last week that I was hoping you could get into this week. Before we get on to other prophecies, what are a few of those last Messianic prophecies that we didn't get to last week? Sure, sure. Uh, let's go on. I think I've covered, what, 24? Let's, let's start with uh, number 25. Uh, Psalm 22, 1 and 8 and 15 through 18 tells us that Jesus would cry out from the cross. And at the end, he, he cried out to the God, you know, why have you forsaken me? In other words, the sin that Jesus took on upon himself, all our sins, your sins, Nate, and my sins, and everybody's sins came upon Jesus. And the Father could not look upon sin, so he looked away. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that was prophesied from the cross. He also yelled out that it is finished. In other words, the, the work of sacrifice, of paying for our sins on the cross, the death sentence that we all deserve, Jesus paid on the cross. And he cried out about that. Now, after Jesus died, Isaiah 53, 9 said that he would be buried in a tomb not his own, a rich man's tomb. And that's exactly what happened. Joseph of Arimathea and uh, Nicodemus brought Jesus and put him in uh, Joseph's own tomb. We read that in Matthew 27. Uh, and here, and this is probably one of the best, the most important. Uh, Psalm 16:10 tells us that the Messiah would rise from the dead. Now, 
Buddha, where is he? In the grave. Muhammad, where is he? In the grave. Joseph Smith, where is he? In the grave. Every religion out there, their holy man is dead and gone. But we have the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, and he raised from the dead. We can read that in Mark 16 and Acts 2. And over 500 people corroborated that Jesus rode from the rose from the dead the the christian religion spread instantly across uh the israel and throughout the lands because people knew that there was first-hand accounts that jesus rose from the dead and that jesus would then ascend into heaven after a certain amount of time after he rose from the dead psalm 68 18 says that and we read in acts 1 9 that jesus went up to heaven to be with the father and that when he returned He'd return in the clouds to take the church, take all those who believe in him as Savior in this day, and bring him up to be in heaven. And so those are, uh, those are let's say, let me just, I count 28 here of the 109 prophecies that deal just with Jesus alone, not even with all the other subjects. Incredible. I would encourage you to go to GodSolutionShow.com and look at some of our interviews with Dr. Gary Habermas on the evidence for the resurrection. And just as a side note, we'll be interviewing Dr. Mike Lycona in the next couple weeks on that topic and some other issues. But when we hear about prophecy concerning Jesus' resurrection, and then we hear about the basis of the Christian faith, as Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 15, being Christ's resurrection. It's what sets Christ apart from every other religious figure in history. And then we realize that even today... We can confidently believe in the resurrection because of the magnitude of the historical evidence. We sit astonished. This is no joke. This is no blind leap of faith. We are resting our faith on a firm foundation of truth. Jesus really did come according to prophecy. He really did die and rise again according to prophecy. And we can believe that because history corroborates it with a magnitude of evidence that's unparalleled. So I would encourage the listeners to check out GodSolutionShow.com and look for those interviews with Dr. Gary Habermas. So Nathan, thank you so much for sharing some of those prophecies about Jesus. And I know that you could go on and share four times that many if we had more time this morning. (laughs) But before we get off the phone with you. I'd like to keep you on forever if I could. But right now, let's hear a little bit about some of these end times prophecies. Now, you discussed how there is this incredible interest in prophecy right now. And we are living in this chaotic time on the planet where so many things are happening and people look around and they say, what's going on? I can't tell you the number of non-Christians that I've shared the gospel with. And they asked me, Doesn't the Bible talk about what's going on right now? Somebody told me that in the book of Revelation, it talks about this. So many people have an interest in end times prophecy, and I know that you're an expert on this. So what do you see as the greatest prophetic end times sign that has happened in our day? I believe the greatest end times sign is the fulfillment of prophecy that Israel would become a nation once more. Now, Israel was during... um, by 582, there wasn't anything left of Israel. The Babylonians and the Assyrians had taken all of northern uh, kingdom, the northern Israel and then Judah. And the, for 70 years, the Jews were put in exile. But there were prophecies that said that the Jews would return into their land the first time, in which they did. But, of course, then the Romans in 70 AD destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. And all the way up to about 130 at the Bar Kokhba Rebellion, they dispersed the Jews throughout the land. 
the entire Jewish people have existed outside with no country whatsoever for 1,897 years. And yet, during that time, they've kept their identity, they've kept their culture, they've kept their traditions. Now, what culture is separated from their land, forced to live in other countries around the world, and keeps their identity and keeps who they are for almost 2,000 years? I mean, it's unheard of. You can read in the Bible about the Hittites. There's no one who identifies themselves as the Hittites today. You know, I, I got ancient Scottish heritage way back there. I have no clans exist today that, that can say, oh, I was there a thousand years ago. But yet the Jews for almost 2,000 years have existed as a separate society. And now they've returned to Israel again, just as Bible prophecy prophesied. Uh, it said that uh, there would be a worldwide regathering of the Jews, Isaiah 11, 11 through 12. It said it will happen on that day. The Lord will again recover for a second time with his hand the remnant of his people. And it goes to list all these different nations and then says the islands of the seas. In other words, countries that haven't even been found yet, which is the new world, that the Jews would be regathered back to the land. And we're seeing that today. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the Jews being regathered back into the land would be something that they would remember more than being delivered from slavery in Egypt. It's the biggest thing. And we're living today to see the Jews being regathered into a nation once more. And then Isaiah 66, 7 through 8, tells that Israel would become a nation again that should be brought forth in one day, and after that, face the labor pains. And ever since Israel has become a nation in 1948, it's gone from war after war after war, trying to keep its existence as hostile Arab neighbors try to attack and destroy it. So we see that Israel gets the labor pains after they became a nation again. Uh, it talks about Jerusalem being uh, the capital of Israel again, Zechariah 8, 4 through 8, that the Jews would live again in Jerusalem as their own capital. And in 1967, June 7th, during the Six-Day War, the Jews recaptured Jerusalem and made it their capital again. And because of that, Zechariah 12 says, 2 through 3, that the entire world would focus on Israel. Now, Nate, I don't know about you, but when I check out the news, it seems every day there's something about the Jews and the Palestinians always every day, the Jews and the Palestinians, the whole world is focused on trying to make peace in the Middle East through Israel, and usually by telling Israel it needs to give up its God-given land. And so we know that the whole world is focused on Israel and Jerusalem, and that's a sign of the end times, that when Israel becomes a nation again, Jesus said in Luke 21, when Israel becomes a nation again, that we would know that the end times are just upon us. It's incredible, and I think some of this end-time prophecy, considering Israel is just astonishing. And like you said, that happened within the lifetimes of many people that are listening to this show today. And that's not the only one that has happened in our lifetimes. There are so many more. And I think as you were talking, you discussed so many different aspects of the prophecies that have been fulfilled concerning Israel. Everything from their culture to their heritage to their language, all these things being different aspects of the prophecy of these end times when they would become a nation again. Incredible. So, what are some of the end time signs when we think about looking forward? You talked about how there's this incredible interest in Israel and the Middle East, and we all know about what's going on in Syria, and we all know what's going on in Iran, and we all know what's going on in all these different areas and with the Palestinians and the nation of Israel, what kind of end times signs should we be looking for? Sure thing. Well, I think the best place to find that is if you go to Luke chapter 21. You can also see parallel passages, Matthew 24 and Mark 13. 
And that's where Jesus gives us basically a, a nutshell version of all the things that would happen up until his second coming. Actually, he answers three questions when, when the, his disciples ask him. They want to know when the temple is going to fall, and we know that was 70 A.D. They want him to know what the signs of the ages are, and so Jesus gives the signs of the end times. And then they also want to know what were the signs that would precede Jesus' second coming. So you can read in Luke 21 especially that there are all those different signs, and they're broken into different categories. Uh, for one, it said that the end times would be filled with false Christs, false messiahs, false teachers. Uh, we can read, you know, like, for instance, Mormonism with Joseph Smith, one of the biggest cults in the world, and he's a false teacher. He was a con man who conned everybody into believing that he had the inside track on a second gospel of Jesus, and he just made it up. Uh, Charles Taze Russell, the Jehovah's Witnesses, Jim Jones of the, uh, you know, he drank the Kool-Aid and everybody died. Uh, we got Jose de Luis de Jesus, who recently said that uh, he's Jesus, and uh, he has all his people tattoo 666 on their hands that there would be all these false prophets just before Jesus comes to take his church into heaven, which we know is called the rapture of the church. Uh, the second sign would be that there would be wars, that the earth would be covered in wars and rumors of wars. And you know, man, there are 38 wars going on right now. In the 20th century alone, 160 to 187 million people were killed in wars. And we have war, more wars we know to do with. We just what seemingly escaped uh, getting involved in wars in Syria. And uh, there's constantly, and the, the Bible says there'd be more and more wars until we get to after to Jesus comes. Now, let's not even talk about future wars. I'm not. I'm just talking about to answer your question, what's going on today? But there are future prophecies that predict all, more of this, and we can get in that later if you want. Uh, another sign would be the signs of earthquakes. Jesus said there'd be many earthquakes that would shatter the earth and cover the earth, and we have seen a 70 percent increase since 1985 in earthquakes. The earth is shaken up. And, of course, the worst one being the one in Japan in 2011. Uh, the fourth sign would be famine, that we'd see famines across the world as, as people are starving. And we've seen great famines across the world in Ethiopia and North Korea and other nations. Jesus said the fifth sign would be plague. There'd be disease and death from uh, growing amounts of plagues. And just it seems as our doctors kind of figure out a cure for one, another one pops its head, and more and more people die. And the world's been covered in plagues for the last few hundred years. Especially, especially since the uh, Black Death. Uh, sign number six would be that there would be fearful events in the skies, uh, economic collapse, and, and people would have all sorts of fear about what's coming. And we see a great fear today among people about what's going on. Uh, sign seven is similar. It's the signs in the skies, uh, different uh, solar, lunar, um, different things that happen in the skies that are kind of untouched. That also includes storms like tornadoes and hurricanes, and we're seeing a great increase in storms across the planet. The eighth sign would be, uh, which the worst is Christian persecution, and uh, it doesn't make the news much, but right now Christians are being persecuted more than any time in human history. With the deaths, I mean, they're, they're being slaughtered by Boko Haram in Nigeria. They're being slaughtered in Syria. They're being slaughtered in Egypt. They're being slaughtered in North Korea and Pakistan with that whole mall bombing. Uh, they were going around and asking if you're a Christian, the, the guys who had taken over the mall, and they were killing the Christians point blank. There is tremendous persecution, both physically and through the law system, like we're seeing in the United States now, and that would be a sign that Jesus would be coming soon. Uh, there is also the ninth persecution, uh, excuse me, a ninth uh, sign, and that would be that the whole world, like I said earlier, be focused on Jerusalem. Everybody wants control of Jerusalem, and we're seeing that today as well. 
So Jesus, uh, again, I advise anyone, look up Luke 21. That has a tremendous amount of nutshell-type view of the end-time signs that show that we are in the season of the Lord's return. Absolutely. And there are a couple other parallel passages to that, like Matthew 24. And these signs that Jesus gives us, I think, are outstanding, and we're seeing them happen even today. Like you said, it's just incredible. If I'm not mistaken, there is a martyr about once every five minutes on the earth. That's about 100 plus thousand a year. And this is just incredible, exactly what you stated. And we look at these things, and I think it would take more faith to believe that somehow this is coincidence than it would to just accept the fact that Jesus hit the nail on the head. And these signs are happening in our days, and they are something that we should be observing with a lot of respect, realizing that he has the big picture view that you described, and he's given it to us so that we can trust him in the middle of all of it. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDUR 91.9 and 93.9 FM in Durango and KDUR.org online. We're in the middle of our pledge drive as a station, and I would ask you to call in now and support The God Solution. You can call in at 970-247-7262 and make your pledge. Again, that's 970-247-7262. You could also go to godsolutionshow.com and click the contact tab, and you'll find info there about how to give online. Thanks so much for supporting The God Solution. So you kind of hinted at this a little bit, and I'd love to ask you, what are some of the future prophecies to look out for that we may or may not witness during our lifetimes? So not just the general signs, but some specific prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled that we may see fulfilled in our lifetimes. Oh, certainly. Uh, well, the, again, the whole focus of the world is being on Jerusalem. That's kind of, we call it God's prophetic time clock. By looking at Israel, we can see all these other prophecies that kind of swirl around. And a lot of them has to do with Israel and the signs of Israel. And one of that is certain wars that are supposed to coming that Israel is involved in. Uh, we know that uh, for particularly the... Uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39 is what's got called the Gog-Magog battle, and it talks about an alliance between Russia and Iran and Turkey and Egypt, um, I'm sorry, uh, Libya and all those stand countries, that they would come together and want to destroy Israel. And that's an amazing thing when you think that today we are looking at those national alliances. Those alliances have never existed in human history. Right, Turkey was so broken up for so many years, but now all these different groups in Turkey are combined, of course, into the... Ottoman Empire and the Turkish nation, and now they are making allegiances with Iran, and Russia has such an interest in the Middle East. And we can read for two whole chapters about a war where Russia and Iran and all these nations come against Israel to plunder it. They want to plunder Israel. Why do they want to plunder it? Well, until recently, Israel you know, it had some minerals and it had some gold and all, but it, it didn't have worth anything plundering. But Israel has found a tremendous gas find out in the Mediterranean. I mean, this is going to put Israel as an economic superpower against Russia and other gas producers. And it says in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that Gog, this leader from Russia, wants this booty, it wants this plunder, and it wants to come down and take over Israel. So we know there's a war coming called the Gog-Magog battle. And in this battle, it seems like the numbers are so many that there's no way Israel can win. And God steps into human history here. He defeats the enemies with your typical fire and hail and brimstone, but also the nations turn on each other and start their armies start attacking each other. They die, and only a ninth of these um, countries are left. It says that it brings fire down upon their country. So at some point in the future, 
Russia and Iran and some other countries are going to try to destroy Israel, but God steps in and destroys them instead, which will totally change the political, political structure of the world because Russia won't be the big player anymore. Iran won't be the threat that it is now. Now, when we read those nations, it kind of gives us a hint of another war, which we can find in Psalm 83. Uh, all the nations that currently surround Israel, like Egypt and Lebanon and Syria and Jordan, they're not in this Ezekiel 38 and 39 battle, but we can read about them in Psalm 83. So there's a hint there that at some point Israel has to deal with these nations that surround them. They cannot continue to have to fight on all these different fronts. And it also said that Gaza would be a nation again. In 2005, Gaza became a nation again. So there was a prophecy that was fulfilled in our time period. So there's two wars right there that surround Israel that we may or may not live through. Now, this is what we're waiting for. And we can read in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus is coming back for his church. At some point in time, Jesus will return in what's called the rapture, the rapio. It, uh, the Bible says catch up, but if you put it in Latin, rapio, you get rapture. And he will catch up. He will take all those who believe in Jesus as a Savior up to heaven to be with him. And during that time, there will be for seven years on this earth what's called the tribulation, uh, 21 judgments of God upon the earth for the rebellion against God to force people to choose God or not, you know, make it so bad. There's times in our lives where things have to be so bad in our lives that this is what it takes us to change our mind, and this is what God does during this time period. And we read about 21 judgments upon the world during that time period. And uh, it will pretty much devastate the earth, both population-wise, both ecologically. Uh, the, this one-world ruler will come and try to say he has the answer to everything. The Bible calls him the Antichrist. And his false prophet will ask him, ask the people, force the people, I should say, to worship the Antichrist. The world will see a one-world economic system where you have to worship the Antichrist. Otherwise, you don't get any money and you starve. Uh, it talks about nuclear wars. Uh, it explains in details what nuclear war is like, like a, the sky receding like a scroll and the people getting burned and a third of the world being burned and people getting sores. And that's exactly what nuclear war does. So we're, it talks about a quarter of the world population from the first war and then the second war that happens during these seven years, that a third of the world population, 1.5 billion people, will be killed just in the first years of the seven-year tribulation. So there are terrible, terrible times coming upon this earth. But we know at the end of those seven years, Jesus Christ returns. He returns, he defeats the Antichrist, he defeats Satan, he establishes his kingdom on the earth, and those who have put their trust in him as Savior, who were alive during the tribulation time, that we call them tribulation saints, will live on until Jesus' kingdom that he'll set up on this earth, where he will rule and reign from Jerusalem and the curse will be partially lifted. Uh, there won't be war anymore. There'll be uh, bounty. People will go to Jerusalem to see Jesus and talk to him. And that man—that's the exciting part. I'm working. For, I'm excited about because you know Bible prophecy people get all into the gloom and doom of the tribulation, but it's Jesus's victory on earth is setting up his kingdom. That's the exciting part. That's the part we look forward to. Absolutely, I can't wait for that day. Now, considering that exciting promise of Christ ruling on this earth and a world more perfect than any of us have ever seen, what would be the message that you would share with our audience this morning that would enable them to be a part of all that God has for them, both in life and in any of these future prophecies? What 
would you share with them so that they could have a relationship with Christ this morning? Well, I hope people have gotten the message that Bible prophecy proves that Jesus is the Christ, that we can trust the Bible as God's game plan for our lives, for all of human history. And by trusting it, we can believe in the verses that tell us that Jesus is our Savior, that he died for us, that he loves us, that he wants us to be with him forever. And he made that way by sacrificing his perfect life on the cross so that when we believe in him as Savior, when we ask for forgiveness of our sins, that Jesus will uh, take that our place before God's judgment because we have rebelled against God. God is a just judge. He needs to judge sin. But when Jesus takes that from us, he is paid in full. That's like getting a debt. That's like you're about to go to prison and a guy walks in to the judge and says, Judge, I'm going to take that in his place. And the judge sends the other guy who did no wrong and you go free. That's what being saved is like. It frees us of our rebellion against God. It forgives us of our sin. It takes away that guilt. And it gives us a whole new life. And all people have to do is accept in faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Ask for forgiveness of their sins. And then show people that you've accepted Jesus as your Savior by getting baptized. And that is a new life, a new hope, a new future you have. And you know then you can be part of the promises of God. Now, God's made many promises. One, he promised that he'd love us, he'd take care of us, he'd bring us to heaven, he'd rescue us, and we'd have live eternally with God forever. But he also made promises that those who reject God, who continue to re- live in rebellion, will have to endure the tribulation to come, the judgments, final judgments, and eventually hell. And man, I don't want anybody to go to hell. I want everybody to take that lifeline of salvation, that free lifeline that Jesus has given us. Accept that. Be saved and know your sins are forgiven, that you can take those promises that you'll be with God forever. Could you please give us in detail some of the other ways that people could hear from you and stay in touch with you and learn more about these topics and learn more about your ministry? Oh, certainly. Uh, Well, thank you again, uh, Nate, for having me on. It's been a great blessing. Uh, Folks want to know more about our ministry, Lamb and Lion Ministries, they go to our website at lamblion.com. That's L-A-M-B-L-I-O-N.com. And there our website has almost everything you want to know about this ministry, but more about Bible prophecy. And there you can watch our television show, Christ and Prophecy, which is you can also watch it on, you know, Daystar and all these other networks, but you can also watch it online. We, of course, have a YouTube and a Vimeo channel. You can listen to podcasts of our, our shows and different interviews. You can read all our different articles that talk about different topics related to Bible prophecy. Uh, we have a Facebook group, over 5,000 people that that talk and and just encourage each other in these dark times and share Bible prophecy. We have a blog. If you need a daily dose of Bible prophecy, go to lamblion.us. And then we also have a newsletter every other week. We send out a newsletter that tells you what's going on in the world and and teaches you something about Bible prophecy, and you can sign up for that on our website as well. And if you need books or DVDs or videos, we also have a a store. Just click the store button there, and for very inexpensive, you can get DVDs and at cost, and we uh, like to get those out to people so they can learn about all the wonderful promises that God has in the Bible. Well, thank you so much, Nathan, for being on the show. It was great having you. Any last words before we close out the show? Again, Nate, God bless you. Everyone who's listening, uh, the Lord's got an exciting future for, for you. You just have to grab it. Well, thank you, Nathan, and we hope and trust that God continues to bless you in greater ways than you can imagine or expect. Thanks again for being on The God Solution. Thank you, Nate. God bless you. All right. Goodbye.
For all you listeners, again, I'd like to ask you to give to the God Solution Show this morning. You can do that by calling right now, 970-247-7262. That's 970-247-7262. I'd like to invite you to connect this week. We'll be meeting in Noble Hall, 125 at 6 p.m. I would also like to invite you to church. Go to godsolutionshow.com and click the Churches tab to find a list of local churches that you could visit. Next week, make sure to tune in to hear our interview with Dr. Mike Lycona, world-renowned apologist. I'm so thankful that you listened to the show this morning. And again, before we close it out, if you support The God Solution, and if you want to keep it on the air, let KDUR know. Call in now, 970-247-7262. That's 970-247-7262, and make your pledge. Again, that's 970-247-7262. Call in now and make a pledge and make sure to let them know that your favorite show is The God Solution. And remember that an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. I'm so thankful that you listen to the show, and I hope you have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Oh.